Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we're going to be looking at the book of Amos. And Amos was a prophet, and we're in chapter 7. You can go and listen to and read the studies on Amos, as well as some of the other minor prophets we've already gone through. I have a feeling that the next one will be Nahum. And we'll take a look at Nahum, not a big uh, section, but uh, it will undoubtedly be interesting. It's been a while since I've read Nahum, but uh, we'll be putting together a study on that. And what we're seeing in the Minor Prophets is, and what we want to see in the Minor Prophets is how it relates to us today, because not only is God the same yesterday as he is today, so are you. And we make mistakes and we go down the wrong path and we either learn from our history, we learn from the experience of our elders, or we suffer the consequences and repeat their errors. used to tell my children as they were being raised at home here and home taught uh, that uh, there's two ways to learn everything, uh, easy or hard. And the hard way is to make all the mistakes your father made and your grandfather made and your great-grandfather made in order to learn what you shouldn't do. Or you can learn what you shouldn't do from them and save a lot of time and heartache. <laughs> so, so we have prophets who tell us about all the mistakes that people make. And Amos is no exception to that. Amos is telling us all the mistakes that uh, people make in relationship to government, he often speaks uh, uh, with metaphors and uh, idioms and makes reference by using certain patterns in his language to previous prophets, to previous texts of the scripts. And we may not have all the scripture. We have all the scripture that has come down to us, but we know there are many books that are missing there. There are many points in history that we do not have well recorded, but there should be enough in the New Testament and the Old Testament to make it clear what the problem was. We have to see that the problem, when Amos is talking about it, concerning the two kingdoms, where you had Israel and Judah, and they had become divided already, The division of these two kingdoms was not the beginning of the problem. The beginning of the problem is when we divided ourselves from being ruled by God. This kingdom of God. And that's what the gospel is called. The gospel of the kingdom. Meaning the kingdom of God. And there's the kingdom of God. And there's the kingdom of Cain. And there's the kingdom of Nimrod. And there's the kingdom of Pharaoh. And there's the kingdom of Caesar. And there's the kingdom of FDR. And uh, Bush and Trump. And now the kingdom of Biden. Now we don't want to think of 
these governments as kingdoms, but they are dominions. They are authorities. Like the United States was originally a, supposedly a republic. We should really say America was a republic. We had troops being sent from Great Britain under Cromwell to defend the American Republic back in the 1600s. And so we were already a republic. And if you read some of our books and articles that we have available online for free, you'll see that that one of the claims in the American Revolution is that we already have our freedom and they they had already earned it through the colonial charters, which said that there could be no law made except by the consent of the free man. It didn't say there was no law made except by the consent of the democracy or or the majority, but by the free man. You could not bind the free man under arbitrary statutory laws because he was... A, he was that, a free man. In order to be a free man, you had to have a freehold title and land. You had to own some piece of land, actually own it. Not legal title, but an actual lawful title, an allodial title to land. And this is what Americans were fighting for in the American Revolution, to be land holders, where they actually owned the land. That's all gone. That doesn't exist in America anymore. People have a legal title. A legal title is an apparent title that carries with it no beneficial interest. If you do not own the beneficial interest in the property, own it. Not just rent it, but own it. Then you don't own land. Now that's, that's basic fundamental law. Most people don't understand it. Somebody was talking on uh, one of our, uh, we have a number of people who put up videos from old shows, old studies that we've done. We have, um, you know, people in Australia that are putting them up, and we have people in New York that are putting them up, and then people repeat a lot of the articles that we write and uh, share them around, and that's great. Uh, we encourage everybody. Now, there are a few people. There's a guy down in Florida who's put up articles, and it looks like he wrote them the way he puts them up. No, he didn't write them. I wrote them. <laughs> And occasionally I'll, I'll put in the footnotes a link back to us, and he does do that. But you would think that he wrote them. He's putting them up as if he wrote them. And we we let him get by with that. I mean, God is judge. But uh, the reason we let people recopy these things, but we want them to always point back to where they got them from, is because when we tell you things about... You know, the grasshoppers of the Bible, it may create more questions. And Amos talks about grasshoppers. Some, some translations will translate it locust, but he talks about grasshoppers eating up the crops of the land. And of course, we've talked about this before, locusts and grasshoppers and uh, palm worms and all these different uh, plagues that would come upon your crops are really just metaphors of what comes upon the people. These swarms of grasshoppers are mentioned in the Declaration of Independence when they talk about swarms of offices to eat out our substance. 
well, they're talking about a bureaucracy that drains us. You know, used to have, uh, you know, used to be able to get a firewood permit for the forest because the Forest Service only manages the forest. The forest is supposed to belong to the people. And people would go up there and get firewood before there was a Forest Service. And they would cut old trees down. You know, they're not cutting down good timber. They're usually lodgepole or something. Or juniper, which are not used much for lumber. And uh, they would heat their homes. And they had a right to do that prior to the Forest Service. So for many years, you could go up and get firewood. Just Everybody just went up and locals went up and got some local firewood. And it helped clean out the woods. Right now, I, I shared on my Facebook page, uh, last night I went out and took a picture. You can see the bootleg fire, largest fire in the United States right now. It's over 300,000 acres. And it is now at our front door. Uh, not really at my physical front door. It's at the front door to this valley, the, the Summer Lake Basin Valley. And it's coming over Fremont Point. You could see the glow of the fire, which still was about a mile from the rim at that time, or at least from Highway 31. It might have been closer to the rim, but you could see the glow in the air of the fire coming. It's not moving real fast, but it was coming. And uh, I took a picture of the moon in the other direction, and it was very red, full moon. And uh, it would have been a very bright night, except for the smoke crossing the Summer Lake Basin. So we have fire on the, the one side and a blood moon on the other. So uh, is that ominous or what? Uh, but we're pretty safe here. We're surrounded by artesian lakes and uh, not surrounded, but we're pretty darn close to it. And uh, the skies are actually pretty clear today because the fire always dies down at night. But then as the sun warms up, the fire heats up. And, of course, that's what Amos is talking about. And we'll see that in this chapter 7. Is that there seems to be this ebb and flow of disaster coming upon the people. Uh, Thus hath the Lord showed unto me, Amos says, when he begins that chapter. But the swarms of offices that were eating out the substance was equivalent to the grasshoppers and locusts and palm worms that are often mentioned by prophets. Now, they may have actually had a lot of grasshoppers at that same time. We actually are having a plague of grasshoppers also in summer like. So we got fire and we got grasshoppers. Now, the grasshoppers uh, are, are worst over the pass over what we call Picture Rock Pass. And uh, you could drive down the highway and, and your car's hitting grasshoppers constantly. And it's hard on the people that are raising alfalfa. And there's an amazing thing about grasshoppers. The wetter the year, the less grasshoppers you have. You will have grasshoppers, but they will do far less damage. Uh, this is something that was discovered down when they irrigated some of the, uh, like near Lake Havasu in that area when they were damming up the rivers and, and, uh, creating lakes and, uh, using that water to irrigate pastures. Dry land that did not have much, uh, insects and things like that. It was pretty deserty. Now all of a sudden it was getting 
these uh, uh, irrigated areas and they were growing alfalfa and they saw this new species of of grasshopper showing up and they tried to categorize it and uh, you know find out more about this new species of grasshopper because it was so different than the normal grasshopper. Well, the reality was the grasshopper nematodes that were eating on the alfalfa developed differently and uh, less aggressive. And uh, they, because they had regular food and moisture, they became almost lethargic in their growth. And they did not grow. But when there was a desert drought and life was hard, then they became very aggressive in their growth and they produced these uh, ravenous grasshoppers. And, and when the situation was just right, often during a drought, the grasshoppers would become like a plague, develop these wings and go taking off and flying you know, from one place to another, and they'd come in and devastate crops. We saw this back in the 20s. My grandmother was on a wheat farm in North Dakota, and they had they had terrible droughts, and the, the grain didn't come up as well as it normally did, and that was very common. They didn't depend on irrigation back in those days. They depended on rainfall. So when the rainfall came, many of the wheat, Seeds didn't sprout or they, uh, you know, they didn't survive, but some would survive. They would like something would turn on in the wheat and they would grow up and they would produce this head. But then the grasshoppers came and the grasshoppers would eat up what little they grew because the grasshoppers knew that evidently genetically they knew there was going to be a shortage of feed. When there was plenty of feed, the grasshoppers became smaller and more docile and not so aggressive. But when there was a shortage of feed, the grasshoppers became very aggressive and very ravenous. And that's when you saw these plagues. And my grandmother used to tell about, I counted 19 grasshoppers on one blade of wheat. And, of course, they were just, you know, with their big jaws, they were just destroying what little crops they had. So it seems like the, when one plague comes, another plague comes. The drought brings the grasshoppers. And that, of course, is what Amos is talking about when he talks about this plague of grasshoppers. That it brings, and he will go through, and we'll see how he goes through a series. Oh, yeah, okay, this is bad, and it's happening. Now, this is also coming. And this is bad. And this is this is common. You have a drought. Now you're more vulnerable to fire. So what little growth you have, you know, you can go out on the desert. And I was traveling just uh, last week out there going from one place to another. And I was on a four-wheeler that somebody loaned me. And uh, I noticed that the greasewood... And sagebrush, now sheep will normally eat greasewood, cows will eat on greasewood. The leaves had been falling off. It was so dry this last year that the greasewood knows that there's a drought. And so it literally allows some of its 
leaves to fall off early. It doesn't try to keep them all alive. It, it allows them to fall off. And, but they, it keeps the plant alive. It, it kind of becomes an economy of what moisture it does have. And the sagebrush also looked different color leaves, smaller leaves, drier leaves. So guess what? They're all more vulnerable to fire now. And the greasewood, it, they call it greasewood because when it burns, it burns extremely hot. You can actually burn so rapidly, it can create a, like a firestorm of its own. And greasewood often is much taller than the sagebrush. And we have pockets of greasewood which grows, are there a climax species in some types of soil. You can actually tell what type of soil is probably there because you're seeing more greasewood. And then when you see more sagebrush, it's another type of soil. Nature is working all these things out. So not only did we have a drought where we have less things growing, we also have a fire and we also have grasshoppers. (laughs) And uh, so we... We're having all these plagues coming upon us. Now we're doing okay, but this is also what Amos is talking about. And we have this idea that when we read, you know, prophets like Amos, that God is, you know, sitting up somewhere on a throne and saying, well, now let's also send them, you know, grasshoppers and, and then we'll send them fire and then we'll send them, you know, this other plague and, and uh, the th- fact is, it's built into creation. And creation knows how to handle it. It knows what to do. And we try to interfere with that. And sometimes we can, you know, like we, you know, I move water around on the desert. We have water flowing out there. And water is also in short supply. Because a lot of the springs and wells have been drying up, not because of lack of rain, but because some people are punching down wells and and draining the aquifer. And uh, they get to do that uh, because of those swarms of offices that uh, was talked about in the Declaration of Independence. Let some people have more and other people have less. Uh, We just heard a story this weekend about... uh, an archbishop of a church was accusing one of their followers that they cannot be a good Catholic if they support abortion. And they were talking to Pelosi, and Pelosi says, oh, we need abortion for the poor people who can't afford to have children. And they, that's their only option, is to evidently murder their children in their womb. And she wants that available to poor people. Well, if... If the Catholic Church and Pelosi were actually repenting and seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, they would be gathered together in congregations of ten, and there would be no poor people. (laughs) Because the reason you gather in pure religion is to help one another. So if, if poor people were going to have another child, they don't have to kill one of them. They will help each other, just like they did during the plagues of Egypt. You know, when Moses came and said, let my people go, God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh so that he would not let the people go. Why? Because they had to learn how to be free people. And you cannot be a free people 
unless you love one another. Because you have to be able to help one another out. And see, this is, this already took place in Amos's kingdoms of Judah and Israel. They had already lost some of the wisdom required to be a free people. And both Judah and Israel were doing things in a wrong way. They were disconnecting the bands necessary to allow people to be free. Because people that are free have to have bands that connect them with one another. They're free of some bands, but they're not free of all bands. Because they need to be able to come together when there's a plague, when there's a fire. Interesting story of a fire a fighter who was brought from Portland. Now, I talked to some of the firefighters that came from, uh, let's see, uh, Canby. And uh, they're very reasonable guys and very on board. You could see, you know, I got to a variety of subjects with them, everything from COVID to the riots in Portland. And they had a very interesting perspective that I thought was not far from the kingdom. But there was another group of firefighters. They're, they're brought in by the state and by funding. And they're paid $80 an hour to protect structures. Because we don't have a lot of fire department out here to protect structures. And this is common with a lot of fires. And uh, there's actually consideration of the, the second group from Portland being banned from fighting fires anywhere in Oregon. <laughs> because of comments they said. And the attitude that they bring, they have very arrogant attitude and they made comments about uh, the homes along the rim that are right underneath where the fire is coming. They says, uh, yeah, we went up and surveyed this, nothing up there but shacks, nothing to worry about. Well, we know the people that live in those shacks, then they're not shacks, they're, they're built with ranch style appearance, they look you know, old, uh, some of them are very new buildings, but uh, people like the old look, so they make them look old. Well, somebody from Portland says, well, that's just an old shack. He didn't go inside. He doesn't know how it's constructed, doesn't know when it's constructed. He just thinks because it looks old, which is the look they tried to create when they put on their siding, etc., that they're just shacks, and we can let them go. Well, the shockwave went through the valley when that was overheard because they didn't have any sense. But what do we do when all these plagues come? Well, Amos is, is giving us a hint. And that's what we're going to talk about. When the swarms come, what do we do? When the fire comes, what do we do? We'll be right back and discuss that. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So what do you do when all these plagues start coming? Well, what did Egypt do? Uh, when the plagues came to Egypt. Well, some people depended upon the Pharaoh to help them out because that's why they'd been paying him 20% of their labor for 400 years is that they had become dependent upon the Pharaoh providing welfare in the time of disaster or need. Maybe that disaster was for a particular family but originally it was disaster. There was a drought and there was no crops and the crops failed and there was no grain and there was no grass to feed your sheep. And so 
you know, we've seen this fire coming and there was one guy who had bought all the cattle and grazed from somebody who just sold out. I think it was only about a 100 cows. But he didn't live here. He bought it and depended upon other people to manage, you know, the cows, take them up into the winter, uh, into the summer graze and then down into the valley during the winter. And uh, he wasn't here. Well, nobody got his cows out. And they appeared to have all burned up. They got captured, caught in the fire when the fire was moving fast. Other ranchers I know have been up there night and day getting cattle out. Uh, a fellow uh, neighbor of ours uh, got, he works for a rancher, all uh, not a rancher, but a ranch owner. And he got all of his cows out in time. And he had to... His whole family were probably out there gathering those cows, hundreds of cows, getting them out of the woods, finding them in the woods. See, in the fall, they come down on their own, but when there's a fire, they don't, they don't know where to go. They don't know where the fire's coming from. I mean, we've actually, the, my next door neighbor owns a trailer park, or he did, he just sold it to somebody else who's a neighbor to the south, but, uh, he was in a restaurant and he heard somebody talking about the fires in Summer Lake. And, uh, of course, the fire hadn't even got into Summer Lake. It's still the bootleg fire up in the mountains. And he said, yeah, Summer Lake was all burned up. The trailer park was destroyed and it was all burned up. And and finally, the owner says, well, actually, I own the trailer park. It hasn't burned up. And the fire, you can't even see the flames in Summer Lake yet. So, <laughs> so reports wander around and who do you believe and the guy says well i heard it on the news well it's not true (laughs) so anyway uh because the news makes money when it gets you to watch and it gets you to watch because it makes things frightening and spectacular and all this stuff i know the guys who've been on the fire my son's been up there on the fire toured the fire and uh we know what's going on better than the news people um, the actually, uh, L.A. Times just did a, a news story on uh, one of the families that have been working to, hard to fight the fire, but and helped start the RFPA with my son, which is the rural fire department that we have here. And uh, they never made a mention of the volunteer fire department, which it involves hundreds of people. Uh, tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment that was not worth that much when, uh, they got it, but they rebuilt it, they re, you know, they refurbished uh, it all labor free. Uh, they put together enough money to get these uh, broken down equipment and fix it all up so that it's running and working and functioning. We're one of the largest rural fire departments in the state of Oregon. We're the only ones who had contracts with the Fish and Wildlife and the state. What we didn't have is with the big feds. I thought we had a contract with the feds, but uh, we're the ones that have been putting out the fire. We're the ones that have been stopping the fire. Now, there's a great deal of money coming in from the, this is all federal forestry fire, most part. If you look up there where things have burned, the private land up in there, very little of that burned. Uh, but the forestry property has just been absolutely decimated in trees. And uh, that's a word I've used a number of times, decimate. And uh, somebody asked me if I even knew what that meant. And I, I, I knew 
But uh, I went and looked it up, and it reminded me of what they used to do in uh, the Roman legions, is uh, when the, a Roman legion did something wrong, and of course it should require, uh, you know, who's responsible investigation, did something wrong based on what the emperor thought they ought to do. They would decimate the legion. Uh, what they would do was they would kill every tenth man. That's what they would actually put him to death to punish the legion. They would put the every tenth legionnaire to death for the crime of the whole legion. And it was a way of disciplining them and putting them in order. And that was called decimation because des, decim, uh, decin has to do with the number 10. So every 10th man would be killed. Now that word has evolved and now decimation just means destruction. But uh, when the fire comes through, you know, we've had fires come through along the rim before and we didn't lose a single building. We had... Uh, volunteer fire department we weren't organized like the rfpa yet because we were organized as a community and people were up there stopping the fire from burning their neighbor's house and they were actually we were actually fighting the flames and the the deck of the house was literally smoking steaming and we still fought it and the house did not burn down and they were ordering us away. Nobody got injured. Nobody got hurt. And the house was not lost. Because these people have common sense and work together and keep an eye on one another. I could go a lot more into that, but we won't get into Amos. But I wanted you to understand that a free society has to work together to protect the poor from undue devastation. You know, because an individual family may have a plague. Uh, one of our uh, uh, in-law family just got sick the other day at work. They suddenly started to have all kinds of problems and had to go home. People are talking about it. People are trying to figure out what it was. People are trying to figure out, do they need any help? The people in Portland that came down here to fight structure fires, they didn't care about other people's houses they were just shacks to them they weren't important but to us they're important because we know the people that dwell in them because we know that they're our neighbors they have been here for us they have helped on fires with us some of them have and we have this general spirit of helping one another volunteering to help one another when you depend upon government and say you know government needs to you know, these governments that exercise authority one over the other and force the contributions of the people, if you depend upon them, why aren't they fixing this? Why aren't they putting out the fire? Why aren't, you know, I actually know that uh, some a crew is leaving before the show is out to go out and put a perimeter around every power pole that feeds electricity to this end of the valley because the fire will probably cross through that area if it crosses at all. I mean, they have fire breaks and everything, and they're hoping to stop it at strategic locations. But if it were to jump one of the fire lines, the wind pickup or something, they're going out and clearing a perimeter around every one of the power poles because if a sagebrush fire goes right up there and it hits that creosote on the power pole, it will burn the pole up and cut off the power. And so they're they're out there doing that. They're not getting paid 
$20 an hour or $50 an hour or $80 an hour like those other guys. They're getting paid nothing. They're showing up to clear that so that people to the north won't lose power because they care about their neighbor as much as they care about themselves. The guys from Portland, they just sit in their truck and say, well, it's just a bunch of shacks, nothing to worry about. Well, do you really want them to be defending your place? Well, this is the problem that Amos is seeing, as they have all these grasshoppers. <laughs> and uh, he's using these metaphors to describe this just the same as in the... The Constitution, or in the Declaration of Independence, they were saying swarms of offices to eat out our substance. That document was written because of usurpations. Like I said, they had already, according to what, and we quote, the actual news articles at the time, the actual statements at the time of the American Revolution, they already had their freedom. They have this problem with the, uh, the usurpation of the King of England who thought that he had more power in America than he legitimately had. And even members of Parliament were arguing because of the charters, the way in which they were written, and they rejected numerous of these agreements and charters over a period because they were knew what they were looking for. Um, the average American has no idea why so many millions of people came to America in the early days to suffer the hardships and trials. And many of the people who came, and we've talked about the people who came in the Sparrow, did not understand. The people who came in the Mayflower did not understand what they needed to learn. But they learned it pretty quick or died. And Jamestown learned the same thing. And that what they learned is that they had to be there for one another. They had to help one another. When the guys from the boat Sparrow were dying, literally laying on the ground, almost with Indians walking around them, just waiting for them to die, not helping them, waiting for them to die so they could steal all their stuff, which wasn't that much stuff. Other people from the Mayflower colony from Plymouth heard about it and sent for help and went and got these guys and brought them back. And then I've read and, and quoted some of the statements that those, the survivors said that, that the key to their survival in the wilderness was helping one another. Indians had already learned this, but they were helping one another based on tribe. If you were from another tribe, they not only didn't have to help you, they could kill you. And so then they created the five tribe nations with the Pine Tree Treaty, to bring tribes together and to prevent them from killing one another and create this viable uh, source of peace. Well, of course, that was distorted over a period of time. It was easy to distort that because of the fact that uh, it wasn't written in a language. It was written in pictures, on beadwork. That's how the original White Pine Confederation the rules for it were written in these beaded pictures. Each picture represented an idea. And these ideas were laid down. Well, that's very subject to interpretation. And so when we read Amos and the poetic uh, idioms of Amos, we need to understand that he's trying to tell us basic concepts of what went wrong, 
what the results of that going wrong were going to be, and eventually what the solution is, which they had to repent and think differently. And of course, this is what Christ says, but of course, we're reading most of what Christ said in Greek, and we, and it wasn't so long ago. But when you read the Hebrew of Amos, you may miss some of these metaphors. But let's get right into it, or we won't get to it. It's not a real long chapter. There's, uh, I think there's only about 17, 18, 17, uh, verses to it. But we want to get into the side notes a little bit so that we can understand some of these things. But it says, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting of the latter growth. And lo, it was latter growth after the king's mowings. So that's almost sounds cryptic but of course we're reading a translation and we don't have a lot of the nuances of these words but again that word grasshoppers and some will translate it uh you know uh, locust but uh and there's different forms of it and it, because you'll find different letters basically this is uh uh gimel vav biet biet is a home vav is like a division Word and uh, and then you have the gimel and you'll see this same. It only appears this particular one that we see in Amos only appears twice in the Bible. Once in seven, uh, chapter seven, and once in Nahum, and uh, where he says, "Thy crowned are as the locusts, and the captains as the great grasshoppers, which camp in the hedges." In the cold day, but when the sun arises, they flee away, and their place is not known where they are. Well, they fly, and they move, and where they go, you won't know, which is what Nahum is really talking about. But we'll address that later when we do the study on Nahum, but that's in chapter 3, uh, verse 17. And of course, that's what the swarms of offices, when they are in jeopardy, they will do almost anything to protect themselves, to feed themselves. They become very aggressive and uh, self-interest. And we see that with the teachers' unions now. You know, that we have numerous candidates that are running for offices. Again, these are part of those swarms of office and not the kingdom solution. But it is what it is. And I admire men who go out there and try to make changes to that. But they should know that governments will not change till men change. Moses figured this out. God knew it all along. Jesus understood it. That he was trying to change the hearts of men to bring them together so that they would be bound by the bands of righteousness rather than the contracts of unrighteousness, which is what was happening in Judah and also in Israel. Now, Israel didn't have a king quite like Judah, but it had a high priest. And once you understand that religion is how you take care of one another, how you provide for the needy of your society, when there is true needy of your society, and we're not talking about the slothful who just don't want to work, but somebody who gets injured and can't work or or gets their business burned down, that was pointed out to me this week, that uh, by an attorney who was saying that, uh, you know, people 
you actually heard news reports where people were quoting Black Lives Matter and saying, well, these people all have insurance. that They're covered. Well, that's how your insurance premiums go up. But the truth is, many of these black businesses that burned down, they did not have insurance. Now, the news media is not going to go and report that to you because they're supporting the narrative that somehow this burning down of your city was justified. And that, you know, they got insurance and they're just going to pay that insurance. Well, no, that it doesn't work that way. Uh, they lost everything. They lost their business. They're probably not going to rebuild. And uh, it's like the looting that we see in South Africa. I got sent by one of our ministers in South Africa, sent videos of some of the looting going on there. Somebody was trying to justify it. Well, these people are just looting because they're hungry. Well, they're not taking food. They're taking stuff. And uh, the fact is, is that when those stores don't open back up again, they're going to even be hungrier. And, of course, that's what the grasshopper does. The grasshopper eats everything. He devastates the land. And the grasshopper is going to die off by the millions. I mean, that's the old grasshopper and the ants. That, But they're ravenous. I mean, didn't you even watch Bugs Life? <laughs> they, they're destroyers. But that's part of nature, and there's a reason why that is. Uh, the same as when the sagebrush and the greasewood, if it catches on fire and burns off, Guess what you're going to get? Grass. 300,000 acres of timber burned off. And uh, at least on the Forest Service side of the land, like I say, a lot of the private land didn't burn. What's going to come back? Well, eventually trees will come back. But first will come grass and then game and all that stuff. Now, you know, you could have controlled burns. You could have harvesting. could work just as well. And we, I'm not going to go all into how that all works, but I was reading civil culture books when I was eight years old. I know a lot how the woods works. And the problem in the woods today is not that the woods isn't working. It's the people managing it are not managing it according to the rules that nature has already laid down. And the reason we have a loss of freedom in America today, the reason that these businesses were shut down and burned down and uh, regulated out of existence, all these three different plagues that have come upon us, is because we have strayed from the formula, from the way of righteousness. And Amos will talk about that, and we'll see that, where he talks about a plumb line. And that plumb line is righteousness. And if you repent, think differently, go back to that plumb line, create the bands that bind a free society together, then you will have a chance at not only survival, but survival as free men. If you just talk nonsense, which we may get to in the afternoon show, some of the nonsense I've heard talked about on some of our videos placed up on the internet, in the comments section, um, you're not going to get anywhere because you're not changing. The reason things are the way they are is because of the way in which you have chosen to go. And this is why early Christianity was not called Christianity. It was called the way. Because you had to repent and go this other way. So when we see this... uh Reference to the grasshoppers and this latter growth and the mowing of the king. 
that same word mowing is shearing. So somehow or other there was a shearing of the king. That's the, is a shearing by the king. Uh, the, after the king takes his share, there was another mowing by the grasshoppers. And of course we see that every day where, you know, you get this fee. I mean, it used to be that you could, you could build a house in Summer Lake with no permit, no, uh, fees, no inspection, and you could just build it. And if it fell down, it fell down on your head. <laughs> but then um, people started borrowing money from banks to build houses because they wanted to build bigger houses and they didn't have much savings and they didn't have much savings because they had become dependent upon borrowing money. And uh, we could go into, you know, all the stages of that. And then even the money became not money but notes and you know, we're already, in, by the standards of, you know, if coin is what used to be defined as cash, gold and silver and copper coin was defined as cash because that's what cash meant. Note, a note was not considered cash for a hundred years or more. And then all of a sudden notes became cash. And now they want to do away with notes. <laughs> so there's this progression of the language. Well, that's what we're looking at here in Amos, this progression of the language. So after the king has taken his share, the grasshoppers eat up the latter shoots, the latter growth. And it, and that's what happens is that the king would take in Egypt, the king would take his 20%, but then through fees and crafts of state, the burden became heavier and heavier and heavier. And people started casting out, actually committing abortion. That's what the text is telling us in the New Testament as well as in the Old Testament. They're casting out their brephos, their fetuses. But Moses was timely generated. And so the idea that you have to, poor people have to abort their children while rich people sit in million dollar mansions is an abomination. But the solution isn't to become a grasshopper yourself and steal from the rich. The solution is to create the bonds of a free society where you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and you take care of one another so that nobody has to kill their children so that their other children survive. And that's what's happened. That's what's taken place. So we're going to go into this more rapidly in the second half so that we've laid the groundwork. And now we're going to see the plagues that come to those who go against the plumb line of God. Be right back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So let's look again at verse 2 here in uh, Amos 7. And it came to pass that when they had made an end of eating the grass of the land, then I said, O Lord God, forgive. I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. Now remember, you'll hear this repeated again because this is a poem. He's trying to tell you something in every verse. The Lord repented. For this it shall not be, saith the Lord. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me. And behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire. And it devoured the great deep and did eat up apart. 
So we went from grasshoppers after the mowing of the king. And now there's fire. There's not going to be much left for the people. This is a plague. This is a famine. And this is coming about for a reason. Then said I, O Lord God, cease. Because he's, he's seeing this. Because God is showing him what is happening. And he, he's saying, cease. I beseech thee. By whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. The Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord God. Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? So God is, you know, playing the Socrates, asking the question to see if Amos can tell what he sees. And I said, a plumb line. Then said the Lord, behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate. And the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will arise against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. So, if you remember going back to Samuel, 1 Samuel 8, where he says, The God that you have chosen for yourself, the king that you have chosen for yourself, will take and take and take and take. God is telling us that that you'll cry out. And of course, that's what we just heard Amos saying, oh, don't let this happen. This is terrible. You know, it's horrible what I see. And it kind of sounds like in the translation that God is repenting, but you have to look at that word repenting. Is that the repenting of the New Testament, that thinking a different way? Or is it saying that there is multiple ways that these plagues that will come when you go against the righteousness of God, there's multiple ways in which it will manifest itself. You know, the drought, the fire, the swarms of locusts, all these things will come about. And if you if you simply try to stop, you know, the drought, and you say you pump, you know, out on my, uh, where my grandmother was living, the well that they had was 400 feet deep. <laughs> so, and uh, they only had a hand pump on it, then they put a windmill on it. It was still working when I was out there working on the ranch. And, uh, although they could hook it up to power by then. Um, but, uh, you know, you're not gonna water a wheat field with a 400 deep foot deep well down a, Probably, I don't even know if it was a six-inch pipe in those days. Um, it may have been a four-inch pipe, but anyway, uh, or even a two-inch pipe. But anyway, that if you they did water the gardens, and uh, but then the locusts came, and the what the the drought didn't destroy the locusts destroyed, and then of course there were prairie fires as well. So anyway, when we see all the, these different things coming that can be destruction, how did they survive back then? 
Was it government aid? Well, no, they aided one another. And I've told the story about my uh, my experiences in the local grocery store in Granora where the the store owner, you know, related the fact that during the Depression it was the only one who came back and paid all of his bill because the storekeeper was carrying people. It wasn't the government. It was the store people were carrying the people who didn't have much money and they would trade items and uh, you know when the grasshoppers came the chickens did well because <laughs> they ate the grasshoppers and so there there were lots of eggs and so they would trade eggs to kind of try to pay their store bill and uh, but they got by because in those days people helped one another these days they're they will only come and help you if you pay them $80 an hour and then you'll find them sitting in their truck thinking that your house is a shack and not important. Or they'll be sitting in their million-dollar mansion thinking, we need to let poor people abort their children because they can't afford them. You know, they live in million-dollar homes, but they want you to abort your children. That's not the kingdom way. And... The reason these ideas occur to these people who sit in their truck or sit in their ivory mansion, ivory towers and mansions and want you to murder your children or your house to burn down is because you haven't been going the way of Christ. And the way of, and the Catholic Church is, is no better because the way of Christ is not cathedrals and stained glass windows and golden thrones. It's, People sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and caring not only about their own group as much as they care about themselves, but care about the next group as much. It's not tribal. It's so that the whole world might be saved. So, as we see in that verse 8, And and the Lord said unto Amos, What seest thou? And I said, A plumb line. Then saith the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. In other words, his judgment won't come. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate. And the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I'll rise against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. A sword will come against them and destroy them. So, now you have the prophecy for our time. We have shutdowns. We have supposedly a plague of uh, COVID. Well, now you're going to see another plague come. And it's going to be the result of what you tried to do to stop the first plague. (laughs) It's going to bring the second plague. Because you cannot see the plumb line of God. Then Amaziah, he goes on in verse 10, the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. So now it's Amos's fault? 
For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Who is this Amaziah? <laughs> what, what, what is he? Why is he attacking Amos, who is trying to warn not only the king, but the people? Why, why is Amos, Amaziah doing this? And, and who is he? Well, he is high priest. And, and that word means Jehovah is mighty, but, you know, there, there was also the king of Judah, son of Johash, father of Azariah, priest of Bethel, though, is what they're talking about here, under Jeroboam. Uh, and it's Jeroboam the second, by the way. So, what, who is this high priest and what does the high priest do and isn't that just religion what you, where you go on the Sabbath or, or, or Sunday? No. Religion again is how you take care of the needy of your society. This is what the Levites were supposed to do is to serve the tabernacles of the congregation which is the tents of the congregations. They were to be there to help out the people of the community according to the support they get from the people of the community. But that support had to be free will offerings. Now, believe it or not, this idea... that So the welfare in a free society is all by free will offerings. It's all by, you know, the like the RFPA the Rural Fire Department. Uh, it actually has a longer name, High Desert Rural Fire Protection, <laughs> whatever. But uh, basically, it's a volunteer fire department. And uh, they don't, they're not paid by tax dollars. They have gotten equipment from government agencies who were just throwing them away, had junkyards full of stuff, and then they've refurbished it and everything. And they've become one of the most effective firefighting forces in the state of Oregon. And uh, it's all volunteer. And the hours they put in is unbelievable. But they don't sit in their truck with an arrogant tone and say, well, it's just shacks. They actually put out the fires. And, and protect the houses. And they're not supposed to fight structure fires. They're not licensed to do that. That is never a problem before. And they may have a way around that, you know. And I've, I've told stories about that. But the reality is that that awakening of people helping one another is strong in this community. It needs to be strong in your community. And you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and create the bands that bind a free society together before you dissolve or try to dissolve or theorize that you can dissolve the bands that bind a non-free society together. If you if you do, you know what will happen? You've heard me talk about black-faced sheep, farm, farm flock sheep. They do, they're kept in fenced fields for years, filling their belly. They don't care about the rest of the herd. They just care about filling their own bellies. You take them out on the desert, you'll run your legs off chasing them because they won't stay together. They'll always think the grass is greener over the next hill. They'll scatter the flock and they'll become fit 
hors d'oeuvres for coyotes and mountain lions. You need to learn how to come together and be to, before you can become a free people. And that's what you should be doing. Well, Amaziah, this priest, was complaining because they had altered the way in which they funded welfare in Judea. And they were doing it as well in Israel. And this was weakening the people. FDR did it. LBJ did it. Pharaoh did it by the nature. Now, it was necessary in the days of Pharaoh. And I'll explain that. But this is why Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying that Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house. Why? Because he was supported. We talked about that, you know, the uh, uh, brother to Marie Antoinette threatened to withhold funds from the government to the church if the church did not go along with creating a state license for marriage. That is, this is back in the days of Marie Antoinette. They were doing this. We go back to Lady Godiva, who never rode through town on a horse naked. That was a made-up story a hundred years after her death. What she did was she saw that the king was making a law to tax the people to provide welfare for the people. And she said, we can't do it that way. And he says, well, we have to come up with the money somehow. Her husband said this. This is her second husband. Her first husband had died. Uh, she's mentioned in the Doomsday Book. Only woman in the Doomsday Book because in the Doomsday Book is the property owned by uh, Anglo-Saxons who came under fealty to the king because all Anglo-Saxons were not under fealty. Somehow or other, she was under fealty, so she had to pay a tax to the government, but not for welfare, for the support of the military. And now they wanted to extend that to the support of welfare. She says, you can't do it that way. And he says, well, how do we come up with the money? Because the king demands the money. And he says, well, I will put up the money. And and her husband matched that. He was uh, these these people were saints. Uh, and uh, if she did that, he would do that, and he would not impose the tax on the people to support the welfare because she knew that would weaken society. We evidently have forgotten that. So in verse eleven. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. So Amaziah wants to kill the messenger. This this is built into the systems of nature. That if you do not sacrifice to take care of one another, you will not stand with one another when the plagues come, when the fires come, when the sword comes. You will not protect one another because you do not have the bands that protect a free society, which is sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, not force. You you will stand with your neighbor when they come to burn down his store like the Koreans did in L.A. And nobody's going to burn down their store. 
But you don't have that fortress to fall back on because you are a divided flock because you're a separate people. Verse 12. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah and there eat bread and prophesy there. There's a whole cancel culture out there. Anybody who says anything you don't want to hear, we're going to cancel them. Go away. We want you to disappear. They're after Tucker Tucker Carlson, who is not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He just has a little bit more common sense than than uh, Don Lemon <laughs> or some of the other news people out there who've been feeding you lies. But uh, they don't want to hear it. Go away, Amaziah is saying. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. So, yeah, there you have it. It's not your chapel. It's not your religion. This religion belongs to the king because the king supports Amaziah. He provides for him. Your priests today are the people running your welfare system, running social security system. They are, they are the swarms of offices that are going to take and take and take and take. They'll give you benefits. But you're going to end up crying out because they're not going to be able to help you any more than the Pharaoh could help the people during the plagues of Egypt. Israelites were not going to get any straw. They were not going to get leeks and onions. They were not going to get relief pack. They were not going to get a stimulus check. The Israelites were going to have to take care of one another. But in that process, they create the bands that allow them to be a free people. And Amos is telling people this in this poem. And the powers that be, Amaziah and Jeroboam, are not getting it. And a lot of the people didn't get it. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a gatherer of sycamore fruits. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Well, who's his people Israel? It, it, Israel means God prevails. Israel, you, you don't have a card that says God prevails. <laughs> that, that, it's how you live your life. Are you following the plumb line of God? If you don't follow the plumb line of God, there will be a wall between you and God. Your your Basra will be your prison. Uh, you want somebody asked about Basra, and I thought about answering them. I'm pondering it, but I have to do what God tells me to do. Uh, but the reality is somebody was here, the man of time I've talked about before, who's passed away now whose time was up, and your time may be up shortly, he referred to this as Basra. Uh, he looks at the, the valley. In, when he came in here, he thought this was Basra. 
So we'll see if the fire enters into the valley uh, as it's coming over the rim last night. If you saw the pictures on Facebook, you can join uh, my Facebook page. You can. We have a brother Gregory. I have a separate page for that. But uh, anyway, in verse 16, we see now, therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword. And thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. Now, that's actually awkwardly translated, and we can maybe get into that in the second half, but... Have you already gone into captivity? What was the captivity or the bondage of Egypt? 20% of your labor belonged to the government. The government was supposed to take care of you in time of need. But generally speaking, that was general need. But I don't know how specific that uh, welfare system of Pharaoh became. I know it altered itself over a period of several hundred years. And began to destroy and devastate the people. Enough so that they were aborting their children. I mean, how many children were aborted amongst the poor and even the rich in the last year? A thousand? Ten thousand? Are are more children aborted than died of COVID? (laughs) It's crazy. It's insane. Do you think that there will be a repercussion because of this? You know, there was a lawsuit that was just filed kind of and I haven't read it, I don't know the details of it, but it was by the frontline doctors that are suing HHS, which is Health and Human Services, I guess, wanting them to stop the administration of the COVID vaccine because they believe that there was over, I don't know if it was over 40 or over 50,000 deaths attributed to taking the vaccine. In the United States alone. There's other countries that have come up with similar figures based on their population base of thousands of people dying from the COVID vaccination. And uh, the reports have been coming into me, but I, I don't have statistics. And of course, it's very difficult to collect those uh, verse as statistics. But if as many deaths as supposedly have been reported on bears took place with any other medication it would have been banned it would have been stopped entirely so and, and not just anybody can post on bears it, it, it's set up so that you know you have to be somebody with some medical background and I'm not sure exactly what the process is but you do have thousands of people being reported and they believe that only about 10% of them well, these are, you know, the people who are filtering this information to the public and demanding. These are the priests of your society. 
They are the mountains of your Samarias. The mountains of Samaria were supposed to be the people that told you what was going on, what was coming, what was happening in the world so that you could prepare for it. But that that's one of the first things that some of these prophets talk about, including Amos, is that uh, something is seriously wrong with the source of information. That your prophets are false prophets. So anyway, we need to uh, repent and turn around. And of course, that's what you do at hisholychurch.org uh, or preparingyou.com. This is that you can actually do what Christ commanded. He commanded all the people at the time that were following him out there into the wilderness. 5,000 men and their families, probably 20,000, 30,000 people. He commanded that his disciples make them sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. The harlot doesn't require you to do that. The harlot goes to men who exercise authority and ask for more funds, more support. Or simply tells the people to go to the men who exercise authority to get the support they need, the welfare they need, the help they need. That dissolves the bands of righteousness in society. But we'll talk more when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we got through the chapter 7 which is talking about uh, all these plagues coming upon the people and the complaint of the high priest because Amos is waking up the people to some serious problems. He's telling them what's going to happen. And, of course, the cancel culture was alive and well in the socialist state of Israel and even in Judah that uh, the people were all going back into captivity again because they had decided to depend upon kings to force the contributions of the people, which takes us back to what I refer to as the Saul syndrome. This was this is what Saul was told, that the foolishness of forcing the sacrifice of the people, even for a good cause, which Saul did, he forced a sacrifice. Because he saw the Philistines setting up an army. They were building an army. He considered them a threat. It was coming. And uh, his army was not ready. So he needed support of the people. And instead of trying to... He was waiting for Samuel to come. The high priest to come. Because the high priest would sanction. Because people respected Samuel. Not his sons. His sons were taking corruption. But they respected Samuel. We see that earlier when uh, Sam, the people ask Samuel for a king and Samuel goes to God and God says to Samuel, as it is written there in chapter 8, that they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. And see, that's what we've done in America. That's what we've done in South Africa. They think they're religious. We think we're religious. That's what they've done in Australia. They think they're religious, some of them. You know, there's a lot of atheists running around. Some of the atheists are actually, in some ways, more religious than the religious. <laughs> I'm just saying some. and They're just as bad off because almost every atheist is a socialist. Their God, you can actually see their God. He's not an invisible God. He's sitting up there in the state capital or the government's capital, and he's sending them stimulus checks. That's their God. 
And his priests are the guys who hand out the checks and hand out the benefits because they're the ones that take care of the needy of society, which binds you to those kings, gives them more and more power, and that power corrupts them, which is the Saul syndrome. And they they feel absolutely justified in saying things like, we, we're going to tax you more. You know, I mean, Bernie Sanders was running on that. Yeah, well, we're going to raise your taxes, but we're going to guarantee that uh, everybody has a fair share. The problem is there's not going to be a share of anything. So... The problem isn't that they're raising taxes, that there's taxes at all, and there's only a need for taxes. You know, I saw somebody even discussing that, that they, yeah, we need this system, because without this system, I wouldn't get Social Security and all this stuff. Well, you're going to lose both. You've disbanded or broken the bands which connect the free society, which is faith, hope, and charity, You've implemented the rule of force and violence. Now it's only a matter of time till you degenerate into perfect savages and find once more a monarch and a king. And you've got them. You know? And, uh, you know, there seems to be some, you know, problem with Biden's mental capacity now. It's in and out. But then again... The problem with the mental capacity is that you think that it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare so that you can have free school, free health care. The government will take care of your parents. You don't have to do any more ought for your parents because you have a system of Corbin set up by FDR that makes the word of God to none effect. It weakens the people. And because you've sat down to eat with rulers with a huge appetite, now you have swarms of offices eating out your substance. I was back there where I was talking about you could go up in the woods and cut firewood. Now there's not going to even be firewood to cut. But you could go up in the woods and cut firewood. And then all of a sudden they said, well, we want you to have a permit because we want to know who's up there. The permits are free. But they wanted you to go get a permit. So people got used to going to get a permit. A lot of people went up without the permit. Then there was a $2 fee for the permit. It's only $2 and you could get all the wood you wanted. Then it was $2 but only four cord. Then it was $20 for four cord. And the permit expired in January 1st, so you had to get an, if you didn't get all four cord one year yet, so it just kept gradually getting more and more increased into it. And now they, can, if you get caught without a permit, they confiscate your vehicle, your saws, anything in the vehicle, and you got nothing. So, <laughs> so, and I don't know, did they just leave you standing on the side of the road? Um, but no, they, yeah, they tow your vehicle. They take it away from you. And this is this has come about over a long period of time. And not only that, but now, like I say, there's not even going to be any wood up there to cut. There were huge beetle kills uh, that 
you you should be able to just go in. Everybody should have been able to go in and cut those down and log those off and lop and scatter and all those things, but they don't didn't do that. So there's this progression of the soul syndrome. The more power you give them, the more power they want. If you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office. And they will think it's absolutely rational and reasonable to say we have to have abortions so that poor people can murder their children in the womb. Us rich people, we can have five children in six years. That's what she did. That's what Pelosi did. But the poor people, they need to have abortion. You know, because she doesn't care about you. But getting the poor to not to care about the rich is not the solution, which is what I see a lot of people doing. They're saying, well, we'll just take from the rich. The rich aren't going to be able to give you everything you want. (laughs) Yeah, fortunately, you're not doing the math. Unfortunately, you're not doing the math. The way, the plumb line, is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness And that includes sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and loving your neighbor as if he was you. This is the key. You know, if not, and this is what I see, therefore thus saith the Lord, thy wife, the church, the caregiver of society, the Amaziahs of the world, are a harlot in the city, of the city, because they take the benefits offered to them by the men who exercise authority. That's when Constantine started his church, he gave them what would be equivalent to billions of dollars in land and gold and silver. Not so much gold, but a lot of silver. He kept the gold, that's the royal. But he was sitting on a golden throne at his council of Milan. And... The Pope sits on a golden throne now. And I'm not picking on Catholics or the Pope. I'm just saying this is the harlot. And the daughters of the harlot are the Protestant churches who send people to governments, to men who exercise authority, to take care of the needy of their society. They, the harlot, and the daughters of the harlot shall fall by the sword. That's what Amos says. And he should know because he was a shepherd. I'm a shepherd. And I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. I'm not judging the church. I'm, I'm showing you the plumb line. You're either taking care of one another through free will offerings and through faith and through hope and through charity. Or you're taking care of one another through force and fear and fealty. If it is the latter... Amos is talking about you. And your churches are not taking care of the welfare of your society through faith, hope, and charity. They're sending you to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. So, Jeroboam will be followed by the sword and so will the harlot and the daughters of the harlot. Because they have not yet repented and sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to take care of one another. They don't go to church to be righteous. They go to church to get to feel righteous. 
And not only will the harlots and the daughters of the harlots go down, thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in the polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. And actually, we, we should look at that, that sentence and, and see, you know, what, what are those words? You know, forth of his land. What, what word did they have there? It's actually the word Adama. That's what he's talking about. See, there's all kinds of words for dirt and nations and property. But that's actually the word Adama. It shall go into captivity. And, uh, there, well, you know what we should do also, you know, like the word polluted, uh, is, is, uh, has to do with this, uh, set, which has to do with righteousness and mem and elif. And the order, it means unclean or impure. And we've become unclean, ethically and religiously. That it actually includes that, unclean and impure, ethically and religiously. Because we don't take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Which is what Christ was telling us, what John the Baptist was telling us, what all the prophets were telling us. We're, we're following the ways of Cain and Nimrod and FDR and LBJ. And just as we saw the black community devastated by the targeting of that community with these welfare programs by people like Cloward and Piven, which we've talked about many times, have articles up on, all the communities are being devastated and set up for these plagues. We are the Adama that has been polluted by the idea that it is okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through the government through men who exercise authority one over the other. So destruction is coming. You know? And, uh, you know, when I put those pictures up of the fire where you can see the sky glowing behind the rim and uh, on Facebook, uh, uh, immediately I got texts from people saying that they, they have trailers they could help us evacuate. Well, we don't have to evacuate. We live in Basra. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's stories about me still wandering around evidently. That when the sheriff was coming around telling everybody they had to evacuate, uh, they didn't come tell me. <laughs> Uh, they did talk to my wife somewhere along the line, I don't know, and she told them not to go to the old people who we take care of, because you just create panic in them, that we will take care of them. And uh, I think they went down there anyway, but she was forewarned, so she didn't go running out of the house screaming. But uh, we were given that notice a while ago, uh, days ago. Well, we're going to evacuate and leave our house for the to be protected by the the $80 an hour firemen from Portland <laughs> who think everybody out here lives in shacks? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. We're used to taking responsibility for our community. But I did appreciate the fact that the, immediately they're saying that they could come and help. Uh, 
And that's the spirit. I mean, they would have to come a long ways. Some of these texts were from a long ways off. And uh, some of the emails were from a long ways off. But uh, no, uh, no, we're we're okay because we're doing what God said. And if everybody was doing what God said, we'd be even more okay. Can't can't beat that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, some of the other words that we see there in the text, uh, you know, like it talks about uh, the sanctuaries of Israel. They have an extra long word there for sanctuary of Israel where they add a number of extra letters. Um, it's, uh, you know, it begins with a vav, uh, mem, kuf, resh, shen, and ends with yod, which again is that spark. If the spark goes out, and it will go out, if we do not live according to the righteousness of God, uh, even the word for high places, which talks about the high places being desolate, uh, we see, you know, that's often be it mem, uh, referring to, but in this case, it's be it mem vav tav. Because the high places don't live by faith. Tav is faith again. They're separating. You separate living by faith and you will not be a free nation. And and that's what's happening. That's that what's that's what we see in the word just before that. And and shall be desolate. It the word there that we see showing up. I mean, if you look it up in a concordance, you'll you'll see a word that is shin, mem, mem. But that's not the word that we see in the actual text. The word we see in the actual text is vav, nun. Shin, Mem, Vav. You got a Vav at the beginning and Vav at the end. And of course, it's talking about desolating those high places that are separated from faith. We don't live in America. Christians, modern Christians, real Christians do. Modern Christians don't live by faith, hope, and charity. They live by force, fear, and fealty. They look to the kings of the earth and to the fathers of the earth to provide them with their welfare. That makes the priests men who exercise authority. Your priests, again, are down at the, you know, you have the revenue officers and the IRS and the uh, Social Security Administration and the Welfare Office and Health and Human Services. Uh, That's your priests. And so we see, you know, like I mentioned, that... uh, the health and human services and and uh, supposedly the health authority in Oregon is demanding that everybody get this vaccination to lower and lower ages. I've seen kids, not even teenagers yet, getting the vaccination. Yet thousands and thousands of people are reported dying from the vaccination. So what's the deal? And then top, top scientists in the world are saying, don't get it. But you're not hearing about that in the news. Because because the news is controlled by your priests, by your, you know, high priests, who say, no, we don't want the truth spoken here. We don't want people to know what is the real problem here in 
the world today. So we're going to end up, you know, in this polluted land and back into serious captivity, captivity under the sword. We're already in captivity and we're already in the bondage of Egypt where a portion of our labor doesn't belong to us, but it belongs to the rulers who exercise authority. But now we're going to go under a sword bondage. And the harlots and the daughters of the harlots are going to go under the sword as well. Hopefully that will awaken more people to repentance and turning around and starting to take care of one another. But just as, you know, I sympathized with Amos as he was seeing the devastation and destruction coming. As a shepherd, he could see this. As a shepherd and prophet, he could see this. I see it too. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, to some degree, it's a heavy burden. You know, and, you know, that's why he says in verse 12, also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer. He didn't say you weren't a seer. He didn't say you didn't see the truth. He just said, go, flee thee away. Again, that's, this is the cancel culture, you see. And, and go somewhere else and eat your bread and prophesy. So I'm coming to you as a shepherd and I'm telling you that Amos is talking about our time as same as he was talking about their time because we're making the same mistakes, the same error. The same, we have disregarded the plumb line of God, the righteousness of God, the straight way of God. And we need to repent. And it's very clear to me, as a shepherd, who's followed both black-faced sheep on the desert, (laughs) when I could run really fast (laughs) and get around them, and had a few good dogs at different times. Usually, I, I seldom ever had two dogs at once, but but uh, it's much easier taking care of sheep that already know how to come together. So save this old shepherd's legs and start sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and caring for one another as much as you care, as if they are you. Care about their children as if they are your children. If Pelosi did that, she wouldn't be telling, oh, poor people need abortion. No, she would be taking some of her millions so that the poor people didn't have to abort their children. I mean, this is your priestess. This is your high priestess. She's saying, you know, sacrifice your children while I'm making millions. She's made millions uh, in the last few years because she has all this insider information and manipulate. And now, you know, I mean, I could just go into uh, her corruption list is so far, <laughs> so long that uh, it's it's astounding, and there's just enough time to get into that. But what I'm concerned about is that you people going to these Protestant churches and the Catholic churches and Presbyterian churches and and uh, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and what have you. Are you following Christ? What Christ said to do? Are you ministers sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands? Are you gathering together with other ministers so that you can be the social welfare of the people, for the people, and by the people? Do charity. 
Because until you do that, you will not create the bands which have connected to you with another. And so, there is, although there isn't a call for that now, but uh, the person who, first person to text me was in Idaho. And it'd be like a 10 hour drive talking about bringing trailers to help us evacuate. The reality is that uh, there may come a day where you not only have to drive 10 hours, but maybe 20 hours or 30 hours to save other communities. And you may have to evacuate them. And you may have to take them in. And that spirit has to grow greater and greater and greater because you need the flexibility of freedom to survive freedom. You need the bonds and bands of a free people to survive freedom. To survive the plagues that are coming upon you and yours. And these false priests, these false prophets, these false uh, mountains of Samaria that have been leading you to destruction, there is a plumb line between you and them so you can know the difference. Are they saying live by love, live by charity, live by caring about one another as much as you care about yourself? Or are they saying, oh, no, we make it legal for you to murder your children in the womb. We make it legal for you to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of our power. Because we are not in love with you. We are in love with power. And if that is the case, and it certainly appears to be that way, there is need for prophecy in Bethel. But it needs to be written upon your hearts and upon your minds. So, join us on the network at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. If you want to come out, if there's anything left of us, <laughs> and the first weekend of September at the Burning Bush Festival, uh, make arrangements to join us, get on the network and find out more. And uh, we'll see you then. God bless. Peace on your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.